Well, welcome to the return of the Comeback Girl podcast. My name's Laura and I'm your host. And this podcast has been resurrected after 18 months of pandemic, homeworking, homeschooling, everything flipping on its head. Um, I had to practice what I always preach 18 months, two years ago, and ruthlessly prioritize and simplify my life. I was working almost full time. I had two primary school aged children. I was running the website of free resources for people coming back to work after career breaks. And then I was interviewing people for my podcast. And these were fascinating interviewees, people who had had really interesting careers and taken time out on career break or pivoted. And I told their stories through asking them questions and them sharing their incredible journeys. And I absolutely loved it. I've worked in recruitment forever. I love interviewing. I find people endlessly fascinating. But I couldn't keep it going. It was just not sustainable with the rest of my workload. And I just really wanted to do what I'm always telling other people to do, which is keep things very, very simple and create space in your lives to be constantly able to ask different questions and to have time to think and reflect and be mindful instead of rushing to the next thing and just being busy, busy, busy. And that's where I was, to be honest with you. I was busy, 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 and I didn't feel like I was achieving as much as I could. So the podcast went, but now it's back. And it is a new format, and it really is just an audio version of the blog posts that I'm going to be putting up on the Comeback Girl website. The blog posts continue to be in the format of actionable, practical, simple advice for those who are looking to come back to work after career breaks. That's my own experience. For those of you who don't know me, I had six or seven years out when I had young children and I was uh, just getting them into school and um, enjoying being a mother. I had the enormous privilege of having some time out for that. But then when I looked to get back into work myself, oh my gosh, it was a real confidence game and it really challenged my ability to discipline my mind and stay positive and confident, crucially remember all of my strengths and the things that I had achieved in my career. And so it was a big period of recalibration and, yes, mindset changing and then also networking. And these are the themes that I bang on and on and on about on my website because I think that they are the crucial elements that you need in your toolbox to secure fulfilling purpose for work. And so I've decided that the blog is going to accompany an audio. The audio is really just me adding a few bells and whistles to what I've written for that particular post. And that's it. That's going to be the podcast. But I know a lot of people like me digest content audibly as a preference over a reading. And so here we go with podcast number one of the new format. 
And this first post of 2022 is about what I see changing in the marketplace. I think that they are there are things that we can expect now of our employees or prospective employees, employers, prospective employers that have perhaps felt a little bit too greedy to ask for before or a bit too much to expect. But now these things are just part and parcel of, you know, a sustainable role. And one of the areas where there's been real positive change after the depths of the pandemic period is just in the quality of expected working conditions. There really has been a change in expectations of what a good job and a good boss looked like. So many of us are burned out or tired of their positions in the extreme pressure of the pandemic. For me, I took a sabbatical and I know many, many others who I've interviewed and friends who have said similar. And I've popped on the blog post a really great article which explains this great resignation phenomenon. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's a movement that started in the US but of course crept over to the UK and I'm sure is now a global thing. And it affects millennials through to chief executive officers. And really the Great resignation phenomenon describes a mass exodus from work. People are leaving their jobs because of the pressure they've been under, because they've been asked to do the roles of three, four positions that have been furloughed. Many people are grieving. Many have been through true, true pain and it's made them rethink what they want in a job, how many hours they are going into an office or remote working. And there's now a different expectation of what a good role with sensible working conditions looks like. And the experts now advise us to actively ensure that our own working lives meet the needs of our broader lives. And what this means is your renegotiating your role terms, your pay, and you're ensuring that the resignation of colleagues doesn't create excess workloads for you. That's something that I think most of us have been victim to if we've been in a sizable company over the pandemic. People have left around you, left, right and centre, and that's mean meant that you've picked up extra work. And So it means that we have an added responsibility in one way, which is to be actively involved in the restructuring of our own workplaces. But it also means that when you're looking for work, you are ensuring that any company that is going to hire you has a healthier balance of employee conditions in place, not just work and money. We're looking for more. We're looking for more. And so I want to break down the areas that I see are now really important for us all to be looking out for in our roles. And this is 
from me pouring through statistics, I, I read extensively on work conditions and uh, work worker motivation and what makes a role attractive to candidates. And also it's my anecdotal experience from working and interviewing and talking to many people who have been unhappy in their roles, talking to friends who want to be doing something different or finding a new role. And it's understanding what's now important to them that perhaps hasn't been so important before or they felt they couldn't ask for it. Uh, now there is an absolute premium on a really good balance. So I'm going to talk about the five areas and I'm going to outline what I think they are that you can ask for and then I'm going to outline briefly how you can ask for them without feeling like you're asking too much or being too greedy or demanding. And the first area is you need an employer who has an appreciation of what you personally have contributed. There are so many surveys, including one that I've linked to from McKinsey, which says that compensation and pay rises are actually only around 50% of the driver for doing a good job. And far more important is a feeling of being valued by your superiors. And the more personalised they can make this demonstration of appreciation for you, the better. It could be something really tiny, a personalised thank you gift or a regular note. The point is that you feel seen, you feel that your unique contribution is noticed and appreciated. And the way that you can check that this is in place in an organisation is by just asking outright you know, how does the team here know that they are valued? And perhaps that organisation is already doing thank you gifts or bespoke notes. But if the only thing in place is a an annual company-wide, I don't know, £50 Amazon voucher, you'll probably get the idea that the culture doesn't single out unique contributions as it should. So, an appreciation of what you have uniquely contributed is something that you definitely want and should expect and should ask for in any role that you're going into. And the second bucket is well-being. Well-being is essential. I think it's going to be the massive ask of employers this year in 2022. Mental health issues have been high on every HR executives agenda in 21 and employees have gone missing um, because they didn't feel looked out for or no one was physically checking where they were and the biggest sufferers statistically have been women who have typically felt under pressure at home and at work and my own experience was similar I was in a fortunate position to take a sabbatical and you can find plenty of info on, of, on what I've experienced over that period on the website. But I needed to just take some time out because I was burnt out. Possibly not because of anything that the organisation was doing, but my perspectives had changed and I think that a lot of us are similar. And if employees feel valued and seen, then they report a huge uptick in well-being and productivity. Well-being is not flexible working, by the way. Well-being is not 
being able to work part-time or being able to work from home sometimes. Everybody expects this now as a minimum working condition. Well-being is about feeling rewarded. It's about feeling included. And it's about having a cornucopia of employee benefits in place that enhance mental and physical health. And you can ask what is in place. It doesn't make you look lazy or greedy. It makes you look like somebody who values community, who is self-respecting and respects others, who is inclusive, who wants to make a difference and who wants to contribute to a culture. And if you're going to contribute to a culture, you want to know that that culture is worthwhile contributing to. And for me now, that's going to be a culture where your health, mental and physical, and your sense of belonging and appreciation is right up there in terms of what your employer is thinking about when they look at you. We now have so many examples of friends and colleagues who paid too high a price for these measures not being in place. So I think that it is just vital that you ask a company outright what their wellbeing practices are, what plans they have for, are for enhancing these. And in doing so, you'll also demonstrate that it's important to you to be modelling this for others that may end up working for you. So a very important bucket, wellbeing. The third one is we really, really want a say in our professional development. So recently I've heard interviewees describe, for example, a go up or go out culture. And what that means is that you are expected to work for promotion or leave if you can't prove that you are sufficiently ambitious to stick to a logical vertical track within the organisation. And people are also really frustrated by a lack of input into their professional development. Now, I wrote an article about this a while ago, which I must put up, called Sideways Career Moves Are Often the Best Moves, or it was something like that. But please don't be confused into thinking that if you're not ready for promotion or you want or you don't want it, you're not right for the organisation. I really believe this. As long as you're looking to be constantly challenged and make positive change, it's enough. Employees really want a renewed sense of purpose in their work, a shared identity. And people management is just not for everybody. So ask your employer if they have a culture of allowing employees to expand their existing roles and thereby still having a greater impact. Ask them with the role expansion, would there then still be training and also the opportunity for salary increases, even if my rank isn't changing? And if these things are in place, then you have an employer that appreciates that individuals are motivated in different ways, not everyone by titles and people responsibility. What I see in an inclusive manager is somebody who encourages those around them to grow in directions that are congruent with their aspirations and they help maximise their effectiveness and job satisfaction. Not all employees want to move up a logical 
food chain. Very often we want to take responsibility for expanding our existing positions. So this whole area of having more of a say in our professional development and not feeling under pressure to go up or go out is going to be key. The fourth area, out of office does not mean you're going to answer all your emails. Um, This has been something that I've heard so many people complain about. If you're taking time out in this new virtual environment, I see an expectation creeping in to just keep an eye on your email when you're out because it's easy isn't it you've always got a mobile with you you've probably got your office account attached to that mobile and there is a I think an unspoken culture now that you just keep an eye on what's going on but I really believe days off are days off for your mental health these are essential and what really good employers are doing now is just ensuring that if a team member is taking time off that that's respected and honored and they're given space you really need to be able to check out you cannot be creative and refreshed and add as much value as you can if you are not taking a step back and a step out from your role do not be mistaken for thinking that just because you are not physically in an office you need to compensate for that by constantly checking your email it's really unhealthy i see lots of messages now on the end of people's email signatures which state something along the lines of uh just because i choose to generate an email in the evenings or out of standard hours does not mean that i expect you to respond at the same time and I respect people's flexible working practices. And I think this is really honouring of the culture that we need to be building up in our organisations in 2022. So make sure that you are joining an organisation where out of office does not mean you will answer all your emails. And finally, I want to talk about this remote working thing. Remote working is not a big criteria now for selecting a job because it's the norm. A good boss will really be cognizant of this. And when they are looking to explore with their teams how this new hybrid working format can work, they will listen to employees to understand their needs as individuals and collectives. It's a fine line between feeling a sense of belonging at work and being able to work from home when you want. But a good manager defines the new working balance of in-person time with the team and listens empathetically to establish new guidelines and norms. So they're the areas that I think are really key. Looking for an employer who appreciates your unique contribution and demonstrates that to you in personal ways. They don't have to be grandiose gestures. They just have to reassure you that your unique contribution is seen. Number two, you need an organisation where wellbeing is top of the cultural uh, priorities. 
Number three, we want to be able to have a say in our professional development without feeling a pressure to move up the food chain. Moving up to the next rank is not the only way you can demonstrate ambition and the fact that you want to contribute more and be more effective in an organisation. And it shouldn't be the way to the only way that you can improve your earnings and your scope of role in an organisation. Number three, sorry, number four, out of office does not mean you'll answer all your emails. Uh, Virtual working is virtual working and virtual holiday is all the rest of the time. It's really, really important. And then finally, remote working is not a big criteria for selecting a job because it's the norm now and you want to be part of the discussion that any organisation you join is having about how a new uh, blended hybrid working format is going to take place. So they're my five top tips for going into work in 2022, what you should look for. Thank you for listening. I hope it helps. If you need any further advice, jump onto my Facebook page, which is called Comeback Girl, and DM me. To be honest, that's the fastest way of of attracting my attention. I will definitely come back to you if you DM me um, from the page with any specific advice, a way to pose a sticky question to an employer. I really, really think that you can be quite quite exacting in your questioning of employers in 22, Um, particularly in light of this great resignation, good employees are going to be really hard to find. And so it's going to be a mark of your intended contribution, actually, to a place and your intentionality in making a difference in an organisation. If you can first up, make sure that that organisation is going to make a difference to you. You can be demanding. You can show that you are really committed to finding a place where you can throw all of the time that you want to commit to your culture into that place. But in exchange for that, you're looking for these minimum criteria, really. I hope that helps. Thank you for listening. And I'll speak to you next time or write to you next time with the second blog post, which will come out in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, please remember the best is ahead and 2022 is going to be a great one for all of us. We've got so much to build on. There are myriad ways that we can improve on last year, let's face it. And so I wish you all the very best in doing so. Goodbye.